0: all right let's get out to the sprint special guest line sprint is the network built for unlimited uh with great deals on great devices every day visit the sprint store nearest you joining us now former ute the man the myth the legend he is christian cox with us on the big show christian what's up man what's going on jake i hear you're back uh, amongst us along the wasatch front uh, terror, uh terrorizing freeways again
1: yeah, you know that's. I'm. You better watch out. I'm going from Davis County to Utah County every single day. So beware. Well, welcome any potential back. accidents. Uh, how, did, I know, how, how did California suit you? Oh, uh, I, I fit in well. Um, most people thought I was from California due to my blonde hair and length of hair. Uh, it was basically a, let's just call it a year vacation. Uh, a lot of work, and then uh, it was probably at Disneyland twenty times. So. Wife was very pleased, uh, but happy to be back in, uh, old Davis County, back in Utah and enjoying some football in the fall here in this great state. Nice all to right. be home.
0: Well, Christian, give us your takeaways from your Utes week one against Gooks. Well, we talked about all the buildup. You know, I, the
1: buildup was, what, 45 days long of PYU rivalry, Utah rivalry, and really when to boiled down to it was just an old smash mouth football game from Kyle Whittingham and, you know, Andy Ludwig, you know, the same offense I grew up in playing. Uh, I was a, a walk on um, scout teamer playing against Andy Ludwig's team of defensive end looks in 2007. When I was going for my mission and those were the same exact plays that we saw in the sugar bowl that we saw in Oh seven. Um, you know it's it's smash mouth football, and you got no better running back to be running it. And it was it was pretty interesting to see how little uh, Utah had to throw downfield. Obviously, Tyler Huntley was very efficient. I think he only had three incompletions, and one of those was huge uh, in the early first half. But just a grinder, funky game, and Utah really took control from second quarter on. And the same things that have plagued BYU in the past were those you know a couple of turnovers and. You know, it was it was pretty neat to see the defense step up and you know come up with you know big turnovers when they needed them. You know, you had to pick six uh, from uh, from Francis. Uh, what kind of a redemption story is that for him? You know, a senior year in the stadium he used to play with, play in on the opposite side, and then uh, Julian Blackman. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, you know, he's going to lose a step playing safety. It's not the same as playing corner," and comes up with a big play and. For me, I think it kind of boiled down to a couple things. I thought Bradley and I was going to have a much better night, uh, but Mika Tafua, I thought he had a great night playing out at end, and those two D-tackles and Passini and Lucky to just ate up the middle, and Utah ground him down. And, you know, how lucky is Utah to have a guy like Zach Moss? So lucky.
2: Yeah, that defense. Oh, so very good. And you mentioned Zach Moss there. Uh, what a terrific back he is. How would you grade out what the offensive line was doing for the Utes? Yeah, you know, first
1: first games, I kind of chalk them up as wash. They're just – you just really can't predict how people are going to come out and play, and they just kind of felt their way through. And even if you go back and you look at the, the one of the biggest runs, that I think even Zach Moss said post-game, that kind of changed momentum. If you remember, he was there backed up. Uh, he gets tackled at the one somehow with his – ACL leg, has this weird bend to it, and somehow gets out of that tackle and then runs, rips off 15, 20 yards. For me, that was one of those subtle momentum shifts that you knew he was fully back, right? If you can make a cut like that off of a major leg injury, and then obviously at had his hand things, uh, and the offensive line, they're big, they're stout, they'll they'll gel and get better. They're They're a younger group that's kind of thrown together, and I thought the second half was just like it was last year, right? Even you had the lightning delay. They wore them down, and that was the difference. I think I think what caps off this game is, for, for those who are actually awake watching it, the last nine minutes, the fact that Utah did not give the ball back was the same thing Zach Moss did to them when they were for his freshman season four years, or three years ago at home at Rice Eccles. Complete ball control. I don't think there's anything more humiliating or demoralizing as a defense when you can't stop the offense and can't get off the field. It's just, you know, talk about opposing your will on your opponent. That's exactly what Utah did to finish the game off. And uh, pretty neat to see.
0: Christian I know that Tyler Huntley uh didn't pass the ball a lot in that game because frankly they didn't have to I I was surprised a little bit they didn't go downfield a little bit more but uh, again they didn't really have to do any of that but what are you taking from his performance week one and how encouraged are you about his progress
1: yeah I for me I I look at Tyler Huntley I I still look at it as he's just a wild card you just you never know what you're going to get from him and when he's played, he's been healthy. You know, he comes up with these miraculous plays where he's hit in the pocket and he delivers a strike. He did that a couple of times. I actually was surprised how much under center um, Ludwig had him. because you remember, Brian Johnson, he was under center some, but there was a lot of just shotgun single set with Terrell Mack or Matt off or Eddie wide. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't throw any interceptions. He ran the offense well, um, I think they kind of pulled the reins back on him a little bit because obviously the running game is is going to be paramount and is your best weapon, especially with the back like Moss. But I felt like he played a great game. I I still, even in his senior year, I look at this year. It's a game by game thing with Huntley because over the last you know three years prior, you know we get six games with him and he's injured, and we just hope he can you know have a, a, a complete senior season. And if so, I think Utah's got a really good shot. And if not, you got a good, you got a good backup in Shelly who's waiting in the wings.
2: So as you saw what you saw, Christian, obviously we're holding the Utes to a different standard this year. Overall, how do you think they stack up in a national perspective?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, I think you guys play this game a lot. There's just a lot of preseason hype that comes behind any team. Right. And um, especially early in the season, you really don't know what teams are made of until, you know, week six and week eight and week 10 and and week 11 and championship, you know, contending. And uh, but what they have to do is game by game, you know, perform and for their first test on the road against BYU to come out a little, you know, slow, but then to really buckle down and play the Utah football we've seen for years and all last year and. Um, I think they're right there. I think Utah just needs to take care of business every single game. I know they got Northern Illinois next week. Uh, That was a weird game last year, if you remember, on the road. Uh, Who do they got? Idaho State, I believe. And then you're in conference uh, already. I think you're on the road at USC. Uh, USC's QB has a torn ACL. And, uh, you know, there's a lot that Utah has at their fingertips, and they're the ones who have to execute. And I think if – Kyle won't let these guys get ahead of themselves. And the fact that Zach Moss didn't go to the NFL and he wanted to come back and play shows the commitment of the brotherhood and same with Tyler Huntley. And you hope that they can just handle each game one game at a time, easier said than done. And just like the seasons of old, you know, we look back on the old Alex Smith years when that's kind of what set the precedence of going undefeated and having a good season. You're going to have some tough tests But you have to pull them out and, you know, test one was done and these next two will be interesting. But SC on the road is, let's put obviously a big giant red circle around it because I don't think Utah's won on the road against SC ever. So uh, that'll be an interesting test.
0: So, in a similar vein, Christian, uh, going back to that 2008 team, when did you guys know that you were legit and and legit, you know, contenders to go undefeated and finish the year number two in the country, all that? And when do you think Coach Witt knew that you guys were going to have something special?
1: Well, I I, I mentioned this briefly on the Scotty and Hans show, but it was really strange. Even as I didn't, you know, I didn't play a ton that year. I was was backing up Paul Kruger and Cole Misi as a, a redshirt sophomore, but. In the locker room, we knew how good we were. You look around, you saw this skinny guy, uh, junior college transfer, this Robert Johnson fellow playing uh, safety and and receiver in camp. You're like, this is this pogo stick guy who's making all these plays. You saw Sean Smith and Bryce McCain. They were some of the best, like, corners who just could lock anyone down. And, you know, we had some good players that they were playing against. Like, you had Brent Castile and, you know, Braden Godfrey and, and Freddie on the other side, and you had a returning senior quarterback who was seasoned, who was coming off of a major knee injury or injury um, under Andy Ludwig, and the defense was stout. You had Paul Kruger and Koamisi, and you had Mike Wright, and you had Stevenson Sylvester, and you know Joe Dell. You just you had a good collective front line. And what was unique about that team is we weren't injured all year. Like, we didn't, we didn't suffer any season-ending injuries for any of the number ones. We got through the whole season unscathed. That big win against Michigan kind of opened everyone's eyes. It was like, okay, we can really do this. And then we gritted and grinded out games. Like, we barely beat New Mexico on the road late in the season. Uh, we barely beat Oregon State because we were down by eight with basically no time to go, and we won by three with a King-Louis kick. But to be ranked second in the very end, when we just somehow just smashed Alabama, we knew we we knew we beat Alabama because they couldn't throw the ball. And if you could just stop Brandon Ingram and lock up Julio Jones, it was it was a wash. But um, to be number two, I I don't think we thought we'd be that good. I thought we'd be top ten, top five. Uh, pretty interesting if we had a college football playoff in those years, how we would have stacked up. So. That'll
2: one year one of, Christian, that'll be one of those forever questions. You know, <laughs> just How would the Utes have done had they had the opportunity to show what they could do? And uh, that, that would have been a whole lot of fun to find out. After the first week, essentially weekend, of college football, any uh, sort of treetop observations on uh, what you witnessed?
1: Uh, I, how about the disappointment of Oregon? Right? Mm. I thought that was just a painful loss and to watch you know them kind of hand away a game to a degree I, I think if you watch you go back and re-watch the film on the last six minutes i think they wish they had that back um the pac-12 de- desperately desperately needed that game and then um how about my my second dad gary anderson that man knows how to, he loves a good painful loss somehow. He just loves, <laughs> he loves to, he loves to feel a good painful loss and somehow he'll rally the troops and they will have a good season. But man, on the road against Lake Forest, they had that thing under lock and key under two minutes and had them on fourth down and somehow gave up a jump ball because of a bad coverage from a corner. It was just, it was brutal, but uh, it's interesting to see how that how that team's going to pan out. There's a lot of aspiration for Utah State, and for me, uh, Kalani, right? How does Kalani go to a Tennessee, who lost at home to I can't remember who it was to Georgia State or Jackson State? Um, so you know, these three local teams, you, you want you want these coaches to do well, you want the state to do well, for Utah State to lose on the road, and the heartbreaker and BYU to going to get strangled out. It's interesting to see how they're going to handle these next three games.
0: Give us your your takeaways from BYU, Christian. Uh, How good or bad is it for the Cougs? You know, Utah's really good, and I think we've all known that. Um,
1: I think we've all, we're still hesitant of all the rivalry. We'll we'll see how it goes. What what I saw in that game, and and I was explaining this to some colleagues at work, it's pretty painful to watch now to see how how there's just such a difference in conference and talent and depth and speed, right. To the years that, you know, we were up there in 2010 and 2009 and eight and seven. Now there just feels like a large gap while BYU and some of those coaches are near and dear to my heart. You know, they have the, they have a the card stacked against them, right. From obviously, you know, a scholastic perspective of getting kids in honor code but also independence. Independence is brutal. I think it's. I think there's just there's a, a disadvantage that Kalani's just he's not an asterisk that he gets to you know put by his name. He has a lot of things against him. Uh, he he's recruiting B and C plus talent, but has to face an A an A plus uh, schedule, especially in the front end. So uh, as a player, I, I I could find it very hard to get up for every game when you're not playing towards winning some type of championship or conference title. It's one thing to play for the love of the game, but the seasons are long and they are a grind and you for sure need to be playing for something to win. And in my opinion, whether this is strong or not, I feel like BYU would best be suited to move back to the Mountain West. I think BYU, while it was a good idea initially is to go into independence, I think if you're sacrificing brand prestige that was earned over multiple decades, so now, yes, you're on TV, yes, you have more money on ESPN, but it's, I find it ironic that money is what's coming down to a school that's, you know, based on religious standards and, and you know, come from Brigham Young University, where I would rather have a, a prestigious school than having a couple more million dollars in exposure, and, and obviously they have their own mission and things like that that are trying to, to bring attention to the school, but um, I just feel like why not move to the Mountain West? Why not compete with Boise State, who just won uh, on the road against Florida State? Why not play against these Fresno, these San Diego states? And why not compete for a New Year Six bowl game? It's not win it all and then go to a national championship. Those years are long gone. But why not play and compete for these New Year Six bowl games and play in a really good conference and just kind of settle back into where you are in the Mountain Region? And then, if not, go to another. Uh, whether it's American or play well in those school, in those uh, divisions to move up to the Big 12. And, hell, you don't even need to go up to those if, if that's necessary. Just fall back into a, a conference is just my strong opinion.
0: Christian, your insight is always appreciated. We're uh, happy to have you back on the show and happy you're back in town, man. I can't wait to be on. Good to see, talk to you guys. Thanks, Christian. Christian Cox, former Ute defensive end, linebacker. He's kind of one of those hybrid guys. He was more of a defensive
2: end. Yeah, that's true. Although, like you said, those two
0: positions get blurred. Uh, And I believe he spent most of his time at linebacker when he was with the Patriots for that time. Hmm. But anyway, Christian, terrific. He's been a long part of our Utah coverage right here on uh, the Zone Radio Network, and it's great to have him back on the air.
2: What was that thing we used to always give him a hard time about when he was uh, introducing himself to various guests to interview?
0: He always had to rattle off his resume. (laughs) This is Christian Cox. Spent a couple of years with the Patriots, you know, but uh, how's that Husky D going to be? Is,
2: this is Christian Cox. I uh, had a, had a cup of coffee with the Pats back in the day. I mean, the guys used to just kill him for that.
0: They did. I think uh, Lloyd put together a big, long reel with him doing that multiple times. <laughs> Do we have that? I don't know. I'm could, in mood to hear it. We now. might be able What's to like... find it. All right, coming up right around the corner, we're going to take you through the highlights of Coach Kalani Sataki's press conference earlier today as they get ready to face the University of Tennessee on the East Coast coming up this weekend. But we are live at uh, Wasatch Kia 770 West, Riverdale Road, Gordon. It's and not exactly the East Coast. Not exactly, but it's in the eastern time zone. Yeah, but that's different. It's not on the beach, Gordon. Excuse me. <laughs> okay, all right. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. They're not playing in Hilton Head. Is that what, what <laughs> qualifies? Anyway. That's a good thing with the hurricane are coming. Oh, man. Is, is that thing still just sitting over the Bahamas? We'll have to look uh, It's for the real slow. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. All right, stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.